It's a woman living in her higher octave of her divinity, which means that she can still be compassionate, loving, nurturing, but she can also be a leader leading the way through these feminine qualities that are powerful in and of themselves, that she doesn't have to be superwoman anymore, taking on both masculine and feminine energies in order just to survive that she can thrive by banding with other women and not shaming other women or being in direct competition with other women. Hi, everybody. This is Diane Gilman, formerly known as the Queen of Jeans on QVC HSN, but now the proud host of my own podcast and titled exactly the same as my recent second book, too young to be old. And today we have an absolutely fantastic guest. Michelle Fondant is the author of The Empowered Divine Feminine. And I'll bet if you are an American woman today, you're not feeling so divine and you're not feeling so empowered. So we're going to figure that one out. But first of all, I do want to say with utter fascination, Michelle, you personally worked with Deepak Chopra and wrote his blog for years. And I'm just going to have to ask you, how did that happen? How, how, that is just an incredible position to be in. Wow. I like yeah, it was um, it was really amazing because I first got to study under Deepak between the years 2007 and 2009 and work at his workshops and seminars. So I was able to teach yoga and meditation in his workshops with him. And that alone was really, really powerful. Oh, yeah. And when the position opened up, because they were just starting their blog right after that. And when the position opened up, I was like, I'm there. And I wasn't getting even paid for it in the first year. Oh, no. <laughs> but I felt it was such a privilege to be able to be a part of his organization. And I really loved his message. And I felt like I wanted to be a part of that. And so that's how I started out. I was like one of the very first bloggers for Deepak Chopra in his, at that time it was Chopra Lifestyle. Now I believe it's called Chopra Well. But yeah, that's how I got connected to to his organization. And then you decided to branch out on your own. And then you recently wrote that book, which is The Empowered Divine Feminine. What made you choose... That's something, yeah. Oh, good looking. Definitely. We'll give everybody all the information where to get that book um, when the podcast is completed. But tell me, what drove you to write about the empowered divine feminine? Because frankly, as a female in America today, after the fall of Roe versus Wade, I ain't feeling very divine and I sure as hell am not feeling empowered. So we're going to talk a lot today, uh, audience, about how you take an overall sort of divine view and you mix it with what I would call almost karmic events that are happening. Because the events that are happening today, especially to females, 
These yeah. are not small time one-off mm -hmm. events. This is huge. So yeah. let's talk about what is the empowered divine feminine. <laughs> So the Empowered Divine Feminine, in a nutshell, is a woman living in the higher octave of her inner power. So it's not about asserting will and power on the outside necessarily. That comes later. But it's first about harnessing the natural feminine energy that in and of itself is extremely powerful. Look at Mother Nature, for example. Mother Nature is a powerful force. But we haven't been taught that as girls, adolescents, young women, and older women. That has not been the message. The message has been, you're weak. You need to fight to get what you want. You need to live in masculine energy if you want to get anywhere oh, yeah. in the world. And that's a lie. That's not true. It's what we had to do to get any traction on this planet as women. But now the dynamic is changing. We're shifting and we can relax into our feminine power, which is powerful. I'm not talking about weakness. I'm talking about the yin of the yang, the yin power that is inherently so strong and so powerful. And we need to access that. Well, I'll tell you what, from my point of view, Michelle, we need to access something because when I see the case right now that's all over the news about the Texas woman, and even though she's got a tragic situation that is also life-threatening, the courts in Texas are just, well, if you die, you die, but you're not, you're not being considered as important. And as somebody who is almost 80 years old, me, and has seen us go through, I remember being very, very young, maybe eight years old, nine years old, and saying to my mother, because I came from a, a really psychotic household, and saying, why do you stay with this man, my father, your husband? And my mother saying to me, and it was the only time she was ever candid, she said, what do you think I'm supposed to do? She said, I never got an education. I was always supposed to be married. As it is, I was a wallflower, you know, and married late. He buys a new Cadillac every year. We live in Southern California with mm -hmm. a home, a swimming pool, a barbecue, and I'm not allowed to get credit cards as a female. Right. I have no money on my own. I have no money to go back to school. And so what I heard constantly as a young girl is women have no power. Women are trapped by their yes. expectations. And on top of that, she told me life was over with for a female at 30 years old. So you better pack it all in now. And the sooner you get married, the better off you'll be. So I'm telling you from an older female's yes. point of view. That's what she felt for me, too, even though obviously the 60s broke and everything yes. broke loose. Well, but Diane, that's not it's not surprising because that has been the history of women since the his, the since recorded history. 
And here's the thing. Let's look at this from a very different perspective because, Diane, what you lived through was you lived through it all. You lived through before women's rights and you lived in the time of women's rights. And now this crazy shift that's happening that it seems like we're going back to the dinosaur times when in reality, that's not really what's happening. But we'll talk about that. But we need to have this vision of what it was like to be a woman prior to the 1960s. And we're talking about thousands and thousands of years and women needed men to survive. That was, that was it. Women needed men to survive. Why? Because we were living according to natural laws. Natural laws is like survival of the fittest. And if you did not have a man to protect you, for example, if you were pregnant with a with child, you couldn't go out and hunt a deer on your own in the middle yeah. of winter when you're eight months pregnant, nine months pregnant. You couldn't fight off mountain lions that were breaking into your cabin or a grizzly bear. So this narrative was recorded in our memories for generations and generations and generations. And this intergenerational conditioning is something that our mothers and our grandmothers had within them, and that's what they passed along to us. And so we can't necessarily blame our grandmothers for this. We can't blame our mothers for this. This is what they were taught. And now times, obviously, (laughs) in the past, you know, 70 years, times have changed. And it's time to begin a new narrative. The new narrative is that's not our reality anymore. Women are strong, inherently strong within them. We have the the money, the resources, the education, whatever it is, we have access to all of that. And it's not that we don't need men because I feel like that's a false, that's a false belief is that we don't need each other. We're, We're social creatures. We do need each other, right? But it's in a very, very different way. It's not the dependency. It's not the the dependency for the security to survive. It's to enhance life through an interdependent relationship, which is really different. And that's why the conversations are changing. Everything is changing surrounding that. I, I think I always think that overturning Roe versus Wade and taking and going to such an extreme that you tell a woman her life is worth nothing, even mm-hmm. though the fetus is only viable for maybe 48 hours outside the womb and that fetus has a terrible genetic defect and is going to die also. But the attitude is, well, if the mother dies, at least we saved the child. And if the child only lived a day, well, we still did our job. But I feel that it's a desperate throwback from a bunch of old white guys to let's go back to the Bible something, 50s. And, you know, I remember when in the South, because I was born in 1945, but I remember in the South, they didn't even want women voting. Right. I mean, you didn't vote. You didn't handle money on your own. Mm-hmm. You didn't have any kind of managerial job. And in fact, you were really looked down on if you took 
career or your own interests over the traditional, here's what you do, you get married, you raise a family, and that's it. And you know something? You can go back to the past, but I've got an old rule that every time you try to go back to the past, it's like an echo. The first time you put your voice out there, it's strong. The next time you go back, it's weaker. The time after that, weaker, till it's a whisper. They can take our rights away from us, but my belief is at this point in society, when you've tasted freedom and respect as a female, you're not going to go for this. This is not going to go yeah. down lightly. So, I, how, so how does this, okay, that. God, yeah, let's, Let's discuss that. That's really interesting. Um, so I believe when something tragic happens like this, when something is this monumental force that feels as if you're being forced into something, oh, which has are. happened to women for generations, of course, you have two choices. One choice is to react. The other choice is to respond. And there is an enormous shift that's happening away from the patriarchy that is disintegrating because it has to. This is not a women's revolt. It's it's the balance of things. Everything works in the universe according to balance, the yin-yang of things, if you will. And the patriarchy has been in dominance forever. And now it is time that the scales tipped the other way into not the matriarchy, but the higher feminine. So when something like this happens where the patriarchy, obviously it's in our lifetimes, is the only thing we've known, is starting to fall. It's like in a free fall. It's starting to crumble. The patriarchy is going to grasp at anything it can to stop the free fall. Yeah. And that's what's happening with Roe versus Wade being overturned. But let's look at how we as women react. Do we react or do we respond? Reacting. Or do you submit or do you submit? I think there's three choices there. I think, you know, and that would be a response, of course, right? So the reaction would be anger, upset, Um, being stuck in the loop of this dialogue that's not going anywhere, right? That's a reaction. It's like, I feel powerless. I feel a victim to this situation. It's just not going anywhere. And when you respond, you have creative solutions that come to you, right? And yeah, on the lower level, the creative solution could be submitting, right? Saying, rolling over and saying, this is my lot in life. I have no choice anymore. Or somebody like me could say, my reproductive years are over. Why why should I care? Why should I care, right? It's their battle. (laughs) But somehow, I think we've all got the divine feminism in us. And if we recognize that, it is your battle. You are a participant, no matter what age. And a response would be, well, with the divine feminine, women are rising into leadership positions through their feminine power in having that quiet power, but strong. 
Have you ever walked into the room with a really powerful person that you knew owned their power? And for some reason you had respect for them and you had no reason, you had no reason why. You're like, I don't know why. They just command respect by walking into a room. And it wasn't even fear. It was like they owned themselves. So I believe that the more women that own themselves and they know their inner power, they're not playing the victim. They're not rolling over, if you will, but they're owning their power and they're saying, no, this isn't right. I'm going to go through the proper channels in order to make this wrong a right. And I'm going to gather other women with me to do that. And in my book, I really talk about how we need to overcome this notion of female competition because that uh. has been a divisive force of the patriarchy. The divisive force of the patriarchy is having women directly compete with one another. And we need to get rid of that completely and band together as women, as a collective to you be know, able to conquer that, these things. That is so interesting because, and it probably is a generation, my baby boomer generation of which I'm at the far end, um, so we were always raised with the man makes all the decisions. The man is all powerful. The man is going to control everything. You just sit back and be a girl and it's going to be fine. So throughout life, my professional life, and I really loved my talent and loved my profession, fashion design. I always chose male partners who wound up dominating me and I had to leave. and then. When it came to having to be nurtured and cured with breast cancer, I chose an all-female medical team, all-female, surgeon, oncologist, chemo nurses, general practitioner, um, uh, the person who did my double mastectomy and, and put me back together again all females. So I chose females for nurturing, but I always caved in to this antiquated thought that somehow men were going to be better at directing the business and building it, which is actually the only thing they were good at is figuring out I wasn't great at math and stealing money from me. That they were really good at. But, you know, I do want to say, and I know you're not totally familiar with it, but when Roe was overturned, I immediately went back to a series I had only seen a couple of episodes of. It was Margaret Atwood's Handmaid's Tale. And many of those in the audience today for Too Young to Be Old are aware of that series. You know, honestly, Michelle, I could only see a few episodes and it was all about women only being worth one thing. Were you reproductive or weren't you? Right. And I thought, I can't believe we're baselined to this again. So what is your thought about believing in the empowerment of the divine feminine with all of this current absolute garbage right. like you're in the eye of a tornado and all this garbage is whirling around you how do we get to believe in ourselves again how do we get to believe in our own 
value and self-worth beyond what could be really just a mindless reproductive organ. Oh, I am so outraged. Mm-hmm. You can just hear it in my voice. So yeah. let's take it from a spiritual perspective. Let's. Men saying that you are this or that, and of course, these are not modern men, because if you talk to men under 25, if you talk to men under 30, it's a very different conversation. But, you know, the the politicians, the people in power tend to be the older generation that grew up in that hardcore patriarchy. And like I said, they're holding on to it. But it's just noise. That's all you need to think about from the higher perspective that's just noise. It's going to get louder and louder and louder. But Diane, if I say to you, you have this podcast called Too Young to Be Old. If I was a really mean person and I just said to you, you're old, Diane, you are just old. That wouldn't define you. It would not define you. The only thing that defines you is your opinion of yourself. And so I think as women, we need to define ourselves through our own definition. I think it's beautiful that we have the power of creation as women. And if you are a stay-at-home mom, that is a beautiful job. I was a stay-at-home mom for years. But that doesn't define exactly who you are. It's a role you play. If you're a career woman who is also raising children and you define yourself as a career woman who raises children, that is a beautiful definition, but that's how you define yourself. If you are a woman who decides, I just want to be creative, do my own thing, live a nomadic life, you know, have a job and travel the world, that is how you define yourself. It doesn't matter what anybody else says about you or to you. How you define yourself is what counts. Everything else is just noise. But in an era where we now have the law, which says, I don't care if you're going to die from delivering a child. This is the law and this is what you're going to do. And if you don't do it, I'm going to smack your ass into prison immediately. You are going to suffer for this. I find the inequity of it to be just astounding. And I wonder how did we get here? And, you know, and I say it with no exaggeration, I could barely watch three or four episodes of The Handmaid's Tale. Mm. And here we are. Oh my God. There are all these guys climbing onto my terrace. I think I'm being invaded. Whoa. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Um, how do we put together that reality? And it did make me feel very helpless. It made me feel very, very, very angry. And that's almost like giving a three-year-old a double ice cream cone. And then they take some licks from it and they're really loving it. And you take it away and throw it on the sidewalk and say, okay, that's enough of that. You're not getting that again. And the child starts screaming beyond females having sort of a screaming fit about this and beyond being very scared to actually come on air on this podcast and really tell the truth. 
about how I feel, which is don't give someone something and they're functioning well with it and then take it away from them. No, wrong. How do we as women take our own power back? That's well, just it, what I wonder. Yeah, I mean, how did how did women get those rights in the first place, right? We, have we to just... Act- we just protested and protested and we were always going to some form of big mass gathering. And I remember it was so controversial, but I just thought to myself as a young woman in my reproductive years and, and I did not have um, a need to have a child like many women did, but I wanted and so I wanted choices. Basically, what I wanted was choices. Yeah. I wanted to be treated like I was going to get the same respect that male citizens got. And so when Maybe you talk I'm, about... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just answering your question. And, you know, there's a lot of younger women that listen to your podcast and maybe your destiny path hasn't been decided yet. And you go back to school and get that law degree, go into public policy. And it's the younger generation that's going to be able to get those positions of power to be able to go back to women having full-on rights. And it's maybe, a, maybe it's a calling, right? Maybe it is a calling to the younger women that are listening to this and the younger women that are awakened because of this. And they never thought of trying to go into politics or law. And they're like, now I need to do this. This is now my duty. This is now my mission. And I am going to do this against all odds. And perhaps in 10 years, we'll see a lot more women in political power. That's very, so that is honestly an expression of through a targeted event, the empowered divine feminine. And, and I think you're really right about that because there, there cannot be this kind of passion and, and without activation, without a boomerang, without this is yes. this is sort of like playing squash, and you hit that ball hard against the wall, and it comes back at you. Yeah. And what what do you do? And how powerful are you? So Michelle, I have to say, in all the podcasts we've done, and we're working our way up to our fiftieth podcast by the end of the year, uh, which is amazing to me for too young to be old. Um, I feel that for all of America, we were in a spot that was very complacent. So to me, if I give you something, I'm not expecting that I'm going to come take it back from you. But that's exactly what happened. We got a gift uh, as women of having enough respect that we were allowed to make decisions about our own bodies. It doesn't seem like you're asking for much here. And in all of the podcasts I've done, both my own and being invited on, I have never, ever bridged political with subject matter. But I am now. Because to tell you the truth, 
I'm really pissed. So, uh, with all that said, I can assure you I am not complacent anymore. So let's talk about that because I know yeah. that's of interest to you. Well, it is really of interest to me because, as I mentioned to you on our pre-call, I just turned 53. Congrats. Thank you. And so you're of my mother's generation. My mom got married early, as your generation did, right? Got married really early and had kids. But, you know, those who are millennials and Zoomers, they really had it easy, even though, even though I acknowledge life is hard now financially for millennials and Zoomers. I acknowledge that. However, they grew up with the ease of life, with the ease of human rights, with the ease of internet, with the ease of education and knowledge and information and social media. None of those things did I grow up with and none of those things did Diane grow up with. Yeah. We really had to work hard for everything we earned as women. I started working when I was 10, babysitting. I had a babysitting business. I started working business. when I was 11. Oh my God. I yeah. had a baby, babysitting business when I was 10 because like Diane, I had a very tumultuous upbringing. I was raised by a single mom and... I had to work hard. Now my kids did not have to work for anything, not a single solitary thing. What that creates is complacency. It creates complacency. You take for granted the things you have, the life you have and the, yeah. the rights you have. Yeah. And unfortunately for the Zoomers and millennials who are out there listening, that is just your lot in life. But now things are shifting, things are changing so that you react, respond adequately, and you start to take the reins and work hard for the things that Diane's generation worked for, because it really wasn't even my generation. It was prior to that. But we benefited from everything that the boomers really worked for. The women in that collective worked hard for and now is not the time to sit on our laurels and complain on social media. This is not the time. It's, it's the not, time. It, it's not going to come back to you by complaining. We're going to have to get, as females, we're going to have to put on body armor. We're going to have to put on, you know, uh, the divine body armor and just say, we're going at it. We're, and, and I think it's incredible and a very different feeling from going through the 60s and being at Berkeley and going through a million riots. And, and we don't have to burn bras anymore. And, this yeah, right. this is about. <laughs> and but now here we are again fighting for our lives to be free women. So. We could talk about this forever, but unfortunately we cannot talk about it forever. And I'm going to ask you as a final statement to every female out there, and frankly, men who are listening to and thinking, what is this empowerment and this divine feminism? I ask you as your closing statement, just give us a beautiful brief portrait of what your ideal empowered divine feminine is and a goal that we can strive for. 
It's a woman living in her higher octave of her divinity, which means that she can still be compassionate, loving, nurturing, but she can also be a leader leading the way through these feminine qualities that are powerful in and of themselves, that she doesn't have to be super woman anymore, taking on both masculine and feminine energies in order just to survive, that she can thrive by banding with other women and not shaming other women or being in direct competition with other women, but understanding that we are one collective, that we are together, we're stronger as women to gracefully move through this shift away from the patriarchy and take the reins. I'm going to tell you, and this is going to be my final statement, because what you're saying is so salient for everybody. All of my career, and I was in fashion for 50, 55 years, I was always good. I was always a moneymaker. And I always had male partners. The one time, one time in my career where it was a female CEO, me, and a whole tribe of females around me, I had my life bulb moment and we shot to $100 million a year. So the one time (laughs) that it was huge, crazy, off the wall, can't keep up with it, success, it was all female energy. And I leave you with that to think about forever. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what, Michelle, you really deliver a powerful message. And that message in these dark times is truly needed and inspirational. I thank you, thank you so, much. so much for being a part of Too Young to Be Old. And best of luck, fight the fight. Thank you so much, Diane. It was a wonderful time being here. Thank you so much for listening to Too Young to Be Old podcast. The episode may be over, but the fun doesn't have to stop here. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at The Diane Gilman, or visit our website, thedianegilman.com. If you like the show, leave us a rating or a review and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And until then, don't forget, age is just a number. Together, we'll prove that we are all too young to be old.